Hey, welcome to Razzle Dazzle, a podcast about video games and pop culture with an emphasis on our favorites. All right, it's Razzle Dazzle time. I'm your host, Jared. I'm Patrick. That's our sound guy, Joe. Here's Joey. It's the spooky season. Today, we're talking about one of the best? I would say the greatest horror movie of all time. Okay. The greatest horror I would, movie. Hmm. I would say it's top three for sure. Top three. Actually, I literally can't think of one better, to be honest. I can't think of one that's more famous, that's more highly praised, uh-huh. because most of the horror movies now, Garbo. Even the best, which is probably The Conjuring. I was gonna. I was gonna very say that. Very poor yeah. acting. Well, relatively right. poor acting to horror movies because well, horror has always been very low budget, low effort. Very. It, it's it's kind of the history of the genre, and that's where a lot of people find it's fun. Mm-hmm. But this one took like took everything into consideration, I think, and delivered a really good piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I I really love it. I don't know if I'd say best, but then again, I'm not a big horror aficionado, so I haven't watched them all yeah um but i definitely would put this in like my top three horror movies for sure there is a reason why it's so beloved you know so there's something here and yeah we're not talking about the book and we're not talking about the stephen king version of the movie we're talking about the stanley kubrick version the original 1980 film the shining because what what else would you be talking about? Like, would you really talk about the Stephen King movie? I uh, haven't seen that version. I haven't seen it either. Me, but neither. like, that's not. Does any? It's that's not the known one. <laughs> <laughs> that's not the famous one. When people talk about The Shining, nobody except yeah. for the person who's only watched the Stephen King movie is going to be like, "Oh yeah, the Stephen King one." Like, no, it's 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 the I forgot his name already. Uh, Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick. Kubrick version. Yeah. Uh, funny enough, uh, Stephen King hates this uh, version or just doesn't like it. Um, it is can, a far departure from yes, his and that's original exactly vision. why because uh, to him or, or in the book, Jack was not how he is in the movie. He was like calmer or whatever, and like the, the hotel burned down because he was supposed to manage the boiler room, and there's like some some hedges that comes to life at the end. There's no maze. Yeah, yeah. Well, to be honest with you, I know Stephen King <clears throat> wrote it. But I think, Steven, your opinion's pretty wrong here <laughs> in that I think it's a perfect adaptation <laughs> because it takes creative liberties while also keeping the core story mostly the same. Uh-huh. You yeah, can read it, the book and watch the movie without going, oh, I just s- consumed the same piece of media twice in two different forms. Mm-hmm. You said he hates it? Uh, don't quote me. I'm just, I oh, just okay. know he doesn't like it. Because, uh, I, I mean, th- not like it, fine. But if, it, if he hated it mm-hmm. because it's not his... It's That's probably. very entitled. Yeah. He, he doesn't like it as... He, the amount of him disliking it is so much that he made his own movie. Yeah. <laughs> his own version of yeah, his book. Yeah, right? So, like, this guy... That's really entitled. <laughs> that is really entitled to be like, yeah, your version of the movie's good, but, like, you should have let it be mine. Right. <laughs> and then in the end, he's proven wrong because everybody knows The Shining by Kubrick. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, I, I just found out there's a Stephen King version today. I, same. You know, so... That, that goes to show. Okay, so where do we want to start with this film? Do we <clears> want <throat> to start with a brief history of how this book slash movie came about? Yeah, sure. Because it is a very interesting story. Sometime in the 70s, Stephen King and his <clears throat> wife were on a road trip, and they were somewhere in Estes Park, which is by the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. Now, 
Uh, this is a desolate place. Opened in 1910 by the 70s. Not a good place to stay. Mm. But he, he figured, hey, if there's at least one open room, we're good for the night. It's cold. We might as well try. And they tried. They got to the room 217, like in the movie. Now, uh, the night went pretty normally, although Stephen King did have a nightmare that night in Rome 217. And that nightmare inspired him to write a book. That book came out in 77, and here we are. In the movie, is 237. <laughs> 217 in real life. Yes. 237. And yes. So I guess that was a, a number. The, the reason yeah. why the number was changed is because uh, the actual hotel asked uh, Stanley Kubrick, can you change the number? Because guests are actually being, are scared to stay in this room mm. because of that book and that movie. And he was like, okay. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So the, so the book has it as 217. Though. Yes. Okay. That's the actual thing. And the, and the Stephen King movie has it as 217. Is the Stephen King movie before the... After. Oh. I think it was in the 90s that came out. Yeah. The Shining, which we're talking about, Kubrick, came out three years after the book, which is relatively fast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you see the production quality, Kubrick must have read that book and went to work immediately. Yeah. So, which is very impressive. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you probably, like, because I get this every now and then when I read a good book where I, like, already have a vision of how I see it. That's probably what Kubrick had or something along those lines, because if it's that fast of a turnaround, then for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, that means, like, because you have to pitch a script to get people to actually, like, go through with the movie. Yeah. That, getting a, getting a script approved isn't fast, so that man wrote that script probably like immediately and just went out pitching mm-hmm. um, which which I love because it isn't that easy to just get approval for a movie like that and he nailed it too mm-hmm. uh, Joe how many times have you seen this movie how many times have I seen this movie three times three times okay <clears throat> your first time Patrick was today today yeah I've only ever seen it once uh, two Halloweens ago so it's it's a lot fresher in your mind right now and for first impressions what are yours? Um, I I love it. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I think simple. <laughs> the big thing for me is the score. That because oh. I feel like, uh, and you can't really pinpoint a single moment for it, but I think the score is what sells every moment in this. Mm. The the heart beating sometimes, and the this the like quick violin thing or the strings thing that mm-hmm. they do. Um, those really sell moments. If you took this score out of this movie, it would be goofy. Mm-hmm. It'd be goofy. It'd be silly. Or if you added like a Warner Bros. sound or Looney Tunes soundtrack <laughs> to it, it'd be a pretty funny movie. But the score, I think, carries the mood of this movie. Yeah. To where when you need when when the movie wants you to feel suspenseful, it'll start either that heartbeat or that like subtle like. I don't want to call it a synth noise, the but tone. It's, it, it's like a longer yeah. tone that like stretches and wanes and but stretches and synth. wanes. Yeah, it, it's a combination of a lot of things, yes. but I think it just really sells the moments that are scary because I think if I didn't have the score, I wouldn't already feel that like suspenseful buildup. Right. And then the the moments themselves, if you were to cut them out, uh, put them alone, aren't that scary. Like her, like a. Uh, What's her name? Wendy turning around and seeing a room full of cobwebs, or originally it was like a pretty modern, well lit room. Mm-hmm. Um, that moment probably wouldn't have spooked me if there was no music. Mm-hmm. But 
when she turns and there's that sharp strings noise and then like the the intensity that built it up beforehand it sells it because you're like oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh that and i think along with uh the build-up in terms of cinematography mm. there are a lot of really <clears throat> long shots yes um and movement is very slow and drawn out you want to know why uh, to build the suspense. Well, yes, but you know why it's very smooth? Because they used the new, the new air quotes, new at the time, Steadicam mount. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there is a lot of those, like, just pushing into hallway shots. Yeah. Um, or and just like continuous long hall- shots, too. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Um, I think these shots are the other thing that builds up the music along with these shots. There's uh, my favorite was uh, Jack walking towards Wendy in the lobby for that. And he's like, kind of like limping towards her. Yeah. And there mm. is just ba- the camera shot goes back and forth, back and forth. But they are moving slowly and the shots don't change. Mm-hmm. So it you switch between do- two different shots. So it feels like there's a change in shots. But in reality, there isn't because they're composed the same way. You go to Wendy. It's just a medium shot of her looking at Jack. You go to Jack. It's a medium shot of her looking at Wendy. And it's just this back and forth, and it's basically the same shot the entire time. Right. But it feels like things are building up in their in the actor's emotion and the way they're portraying these characters. Uh, in in the just drawn out sense of like you know where they're going. You know she's trying to get up the stairs. You know she, he's following her, but it like goes on for so long that you feel like something could happen at any moment and it is it really ends up only happening when you expect it to happen when they're at the top of the stairs mm-hmm. but it's just that whole build up towards that moment is what sells it because if it was just her hitting him with the bat as soon as he felt scary that moment would be not as a lot of payoff. there's not a lot of payoff there yeah um, oh uh, to to the listeners listening to us on live on the live 365 app eagle radio station enjoy the uh this shining soundtrack that's what you're listening to right now because i'm totally gonna do that oh. in post uh, uh sorry like- podcast listeners but if you want to hear it go to an into the live go um <laughs> yeah it's it's the payoff the payoff for very drawn out suspenseful moments to reach a crescendo and then there's the bang with the with um wendy hitting him with a bat that's a amazing payoff and that's just a great scene yeah that's that scene sold the movie for me really yeah because before it was okay um i have a problem with horror movies where i hate the setup because i mean you need it it's understandable oh i see but it's so i fell asleep for part of it i'm not gonna lie there's about 10 minutes in the beginning of the movie that i fell asleep because it's it's a bunch of exposition and it isn't really important it helps you understand what's going on not that important. Yeah, it's a pretty long movie, like two, two and a half hours. Yeah, I can see that. It, it starts off slow, but then it gets yeah, it gets going after a certain which point. is which is most horror movies in yeah. the first place. You need to build the world before you tear it down. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know. Everything other than that was great, but I only got sold on the movie when it was that scene because everything mm. before that, it was good. It wasn't like, oh my gosh, this movie is so amazing. Mm. But it was that scene that I was like, that that stands out to me. Um, and then the scenes that followed sold it even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was the point where the movie kind of picks up. Not picks up. Uh, just kind of picked up for me. Right. It did something for you. Yeah. Cool. I would actually argue that 
relative to all horror movies, The Shining's setup phase mm-hmm. in the beginning is a lot more effective than others. <laughs> yeah, to be I, honest. it's it's a lot faster, and I think it builds uh, the Tony Danny situation mm-hmm. really well. It does that as well as Jack. It presents Jack as kind of a struggling guy that has a bit of a dark side. But at the end of the day, he's a family man. There's nothing that can go wrong, but you sense it in the beginning. Something's going to go wrong with this guy. I think when it comes to, when if you compare it to another horror movie like Paranormal Activity, they're moving into a house <laughs> for 30 minutes. Whoopee Kaye. Right? <laughs> so I think, relatively speaking, all of The Shining is a masterpiece. Mm. I'm sh- I recognize your arguments, but horror is its own sort of class of cinema, at least to me. Yeah, when I'm, it not was sa- I'm not saying the exposition is bad. I, I try to preface with I'm bad with horror movie exposition. <laughs> um, it's To me, it's boring. But I, I think it's done pretty well. I think, uh, like you said, like I said, the, the Tony Danny setup where it's like he has this other person Don't in him, a. but we don't really explore it. Even the doctor's just like, yeah, it's just a phase. <laughs> There's nothing to <laughs> worry really about. Kid. These These kids are weird. Stupid kid. But then when... Uh, when the scat man comes in scat man crothers <laughs> who plays dick holleran yeah uh the head chef comes in and he's like you have it too and then you're suddenly like wait there's Shine. there's something more to this and then it ends up being the thing that like foreshadows every event in the movie i'm gonna be honest i didn't i didn't put together that this thing that they're talking about is called the shining you know, I whenever, whenever like before watching it, uh, The Shining. Okay, is that the name of the place, or like is you know what's going on here? Why is he called The Shining? It's 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 nothing related with um, uh, Jack Nicholson's character, the wife Wendy. No, it's this like is this weird psychic power that a few people have in the world, and Danny the kid is one of them. And the hotel, the, right? That's what that's it's the line from uh, uh, head cook. He's like, hey, yeah, we have this thing. But also, this place has this thing. Right. Fun fact about The Shine, Uh it also connects, more so in the books, it also connects with Stephen King's other universe, It. Really? The power that the kids have in the the It book slash movies that lets them see and interact with Pennywise Mm. is The Shine. So... Interesting. hmm. So I'm sure there's plenty of other connections with other Stephen King books that you could stretch and like make a Stephen King cinematic universe <laughs> but the last horror movie cinematic universe didn't really pan out. Looking at you Tom Cruise and the mummy. Oh my god I was so excited for that to be a thing the Universal Monsters, oh I was so excited for that. Yep but uh, The Shining and It are phenomenal standalone things. Yes. Let's keep it that way, huh? Yeah. Let's, greedy execs, I'm talking to you. Don't you dare. <laughs> Let's talk about Jack Nicholson and his amazing portrayal, his amazing acting for for these type of roles. Jack Nicholson is known for his facial expressions, maybe not to the same extent as uh, Jim Carrey, but Jack Nicholson brings to the table that hardly anybody else can. Jack Nicholson is like a... Jim Carrey's evil twin. Yes. <laughs> Where yeah. Jim Carrey can show off uh, fun, excitement. Jack Nicholson can show off terror, uh, bloodthirstiness. Yes. he. It's amazing. 
Yeah. I'm kind of miss. He's retired from acting. Really? His most recent headline was that he spilled a bowl of chili at a basketball game and he was banned from basketball games. <laughs> uh, Why do you have a bowl of chili? He made it at home. <laughs> I'm not joking. Oh, that's this isn't a thing. funny. So, you know uh, what? Good for him. Uh, he deserves to just take it easy, have some chili at a basketball game. Do it his way. <laughs> have you guys seen um, Anger Management? No. The Adam Sandler film? No. No? He's in this movie. And he 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 portrays um, he is Adam Sandler's like anger management therapist or whatever, and for the entire movie, Jack Nicholson does everything to piss Adam Sandler off, like even steal his wife and stuff like that. But that's it's all staged to help yeah. his anger management and stuff like that. But but he does he, he can go from an Adam Sandler film to a horror film like that, and he's still amazing at it. Yeah, definitely one of those grade A actors. Uh, going back to The Shining, yeah. my the uh, the moment that sold his performance for me uh, is that barroom scene where oh. you start to uh, the first time he goes to the bar yeah. and you start to subtly see that it, things are getting worse with him. Mm-hmm. But where he's like, uh, where, where he's like, it, he he's talking about how he hurt the kid, and then at the end he just goes, but it was just a bit extra muscle or a bit a little mistake in muscle coordination yeah. and he says it in such a way that you're like he's trying to make an excuse for it <laughs> he's trying to he's trying to make an excuse for it and also like he thinks it's okay mm. and then that starts everything of him being like of his like descent because he starts thinking that like it's okay to hurt them mm-hmm. um it starts there with that, like him sitting at that bar, which was at first I was super confused, like what is going on here. He also looks at the camera, if you noticed. Oh, I did not. Yeah. Oh, um, and like him justifying his actions and like making it like, oh, it's okay if I hurt the kid. It sets up to where later he starts building up this idea of where I need to hurt the kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started like it, in that moment, his insanity was like so subtle to where you could see more coming, but it wasn't like in your face about it. Right. Yeah. Um, so I sent you guys a a video yesterday, yesterday, oh. <laughs> of me trying to watch The Shining. So for this episode, I wanted to watch The Shining yesterday of recording um, because I wanted it fresh in my in my in my mind, and it's on HBO Max at the moment. So, and I have a smart TV, right? And so I, from my smart TV, I go to the HBO Max app and I go to The Shining, whatever, and I'm about to press, and I press play, right? The TV goes from showing me HBO Max to the main menu of the smart TV. Oh, no. But the music is still playing from <laughs> the movie. That is so cool. <laughs> I, I, I like, press up on the remote to see like you know to make it to make the selection go up or whatever but then i see the title the shining and the pause button and the progress bar and everything the movie is playing but it's it's not not playing it's not on the screen but everything else is but i'm still looking at the main menu of the tv so i'm like what the hell so jared you weren't the one watching it the question is who was right (laughs) so i turn off the tv i go back all the way like i exit out turn off the tv i try it again same thing happens i've tried it four times 
you just don't have the shine. That's really <laughs> yeah. it. Me, me and Joe, we have the shine, yeah. so we're able to watch the movie. Uh, so you need the shine to watch The Shining. Yeah, right? Yeah. Speaking of, uh, the shine, that term, came from an Elton John, uh, Elton John song. Oh, which one? I don't know. I don't I don't remember. Oh, okay. That sounds like some pretty <laughs> paranormal activity. Segway yeah. into our game. All right. Oh, so, here we go. The Stanley Hotel is based is what this movie was based upon. Mm-hmm. It's called The Outlook in this movie for, you know, copyright reasons. I'm going to ask you guys, I'm going to tell you the history of the Stanley Hotel and ask you if you'd stay there. Mm. Oh, okay. So, I've already talked about Room 217. Yeah. That's where Stephen King stayed and had in his nightmare that inspired this whole book and movie. However, there was actually a haunting incident there. Hmm. In 1911, a maid who worked there, her name was Elizabeth Wilson, was ordered to go in. Hey, there's a gas leak. Go fix it. And then she walked in. She was holding a candle because it's 1910, and she blew up. Yeah. But she lived. Oh. She lived and continued working there until 1950. Hmm. But some people still think she's in there. They report her moving clothes, unpacking luggage, turning lights on and off. Otherwise, like, you know, not hurtful things. Sure. Just standard ghost stuff. Unless you're an unmarried couple. She does not like them. Hmm. Some unmarried couples that stay in that room have reported, like, scratches. Nothing major. Furniture moving. Would you guys stay in that room? I'm single, so yeah. <laughs> just like imagine you bring your suitcase up, it just opens up and floats, <laughs> floats all your stuff in the drawers. That's awesome. Yeah. I, Hell yeah. Honestly, like the the things that are like haunted and spooky to me have always been like, well, if I'm not like at risk of dying, I'm actually pretty into it. If I, if I don't, do I know about this ahead of time? Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing about the Stanley Hotel. They wanted its name to be changed in the movie because hey people are staying here after this book after the movie came out it kind of embraced its hauntedness really it now offers ghost tours really? of the most haunted rooms which That's we'll talk great. about yeah it's a li- it's soon. a little uh, uh what's the word uh tourist trapping <laughs> yep <laughs> um I, I i'd stay a night you'd stay a night yeah okay okay so let's go on to the second most scary room Room 401. Okay. Now, when this first opened in 1910, uh, around then, this room was actually used as a daycare for Mm. the employees to just, you know, leave your kids here. They'll be hanging out until, you know, you're done your shift and you can go home. Some people think the children have never left. (laughs) And since that room was renovated into a hotel room, uh, people have reported giggling, laughter, the sounds of children playing, and furniture moving hell no as well as a ball bouncing oh no hmm. no would you would, no. now would you gentlemen stay in that room no no just because i don't think i'd be able to sleep kids laughing <laughs> hell no that's that's too creepy for me also i wouldn't that's feel comfortable doing anything in the room if i <laughs> knew there was like a ki- or there's potentially a kid watching mm. like i'd be taking off my clothes and be like is if i gonna <laughs> is this is, am i gonna catch a case <laughs> <laughs> is the ghost of chris hansen gonna show up <laughs> So that's a no that's for a either no. of you? That's a no. All right. Now let's go on to the final room we're talking about. This is, in my opinion, the scariest room. Room 428, also on the fourth floor. Many people in this room report having sleep paralysis of the exact same hallucination. You guys know what sleep paralysis is? I hate the idea of it. I've never had it, but I hate it. So for the listeners that don't know, you're asleep, but you wake up, you cannot move your body, and more often than not, you see audit see and hear 
hallucinations. You just live your nightmares for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, it's an exclusive thing. Like, hey, I saw one the other night, and it was just some. It was a clown doing a little jig, and they'll be like, "Yeah, that's unique. Nobody has ever seen that before." However, this in this room, four twenty-eight. Multiple people have reported having sleep paralysis and being approached by a dark figure in a cowboy hat. Uh-huh. Dark figure with <laughs> completely dark with gro- glowing white eyes. Oh. Would you risk it? No. I don't no. know if I could take a anybody in a cowboy hat seriously. <laughs> so I'd say yeah, just because I want to <laughs> see if I'd actually be scared. If this dude just walks up and I just can't help myself from laughing. Well, I, I guess I can't really laugh at all. I can't move. Uh, but if I feel like laughing... I want to see if I feel like laughing. So that reminds me of, um, I think last summer, I was staying in Building R uh, at North Lake, and uh, I think I mentioned to you guys the Ghost Javier. Uh, Yeah. That that was there? I haven't heard. Okay. Don't name ghosts, Jared. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. For, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe the entire time I was there, just like three months, right? Um, every now and then, I would hear, like, like, hold on. He's going to recreate oh. it. I would hear, like, like somebody jiggling my door handle. Like, Oh, that's creepy. You know? Oh. So I don't know if that got picked up in the recording. I hope it did. If not, maybe I'll find some MP3. Hold <laughs> on, hold on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Turn on that mic. Do it again. So, like, oh. Open, <laughs> open the mic. It's open. That's oh, a great yeah, clip. That picked, up. <laughs> that picked up for sure. Okay, so I would randomly hear that, and it. I think either I would be the only one or me and one other roommate that's, like, right next door, like my neighbor roommate. I was in D, so he was in C, would hear it too sometimes. Um, and it could either be when I'm in the room or when I'm out, sometimes when I'm in the shower, and that, sometimes I'll hear it, you know? So there's this one, especially at night, especially at night, I'll hear it. And it's not, maybe not like it jiggling hard, like, you know, it's like even like the slightest thing. So there's one night in particular where I can't remember if my eyes were open or if they were closed or whatever, but I was sleeping and I started hearing it, and I had a water bottle next to my bed, right? So I kept telling, in my mind was telling my body, roll over, grab the water bottle, and throw it at the door to make them shut up. But I wouldn't move. I, I, would, I felt like I was restrained, but, and I still am hearing it constantly for this entire time, and I can't move. I just can't turn over and, and, and I started and I can feel my breathing my breathing started going faster and faster and I don't know if I knocked out or whatever or if I got up I don't remember the rest of it but like ever since then that solidified Javier <laughs> and he still after that was rattling your doors and all that or was after that was it just gone I don't remember you know what, Jared? I think you might actually have the so- the shine. Yeah. Because you know what my next question would have been? What's that? Do you boys have any paranormal experiences? Oh, okay. And you just answered that yeah. with your door jiggling ghost that that I still don't think you should name. <laughs> that gives him power, bro. That gives him power. I think he followed us to Oak. 
I I can't remember any paranormal experiences going on there. Okay. But I had one. Patrick, okay. I'll let you think about yours. I was probably like 15 or 14. I was just got back off of Dura flight. Just got back home. It was like 9 or 10 o'clock at night. I'm really tired. I want to go to bed. Walk into my bedroom. There's this big window. And at the top of it, that's like 13 like feet up. Mm-hmm. There's just like, you know, you can see the sunrise. How nice. Sure. There's no way somebody standing could be looking in there, right? So I walked in. I'm really tired. I just put my stuff down, and I see out of the corner of my eye, in the top left corner of that window that's really high up, a dude's face. A pale face <laughs> with, with, I don't think he had eyes, uh, but he definitely had a mouth. Oh, no. For like a split second, I saw it, and then looked back. It was gone. <laughs> so if it was somebody messing with me, they had to be like that. And who knows? Ugh. I haven't had any paranormal experiences like since. Terrible. Yeah. Some guy, some old dude was looking at me. Some old, His face was gray. Mm-hmm. Not a human color. Mm-hmm. So, and I am not naming him. <laughs> I don't want him coming back. Jesus. <laughs> um... Thinking about it, I've only had one experience that I could maybe call paranormal, but I was also really young, and it could have just been, like, child perception of the world. Mm. Uh, I, every summer, uh, I guess summer here is winter there. Yeah, so every summer I'd go to Brazil for just visiting family and all that, but me and my brother would stay for a week at this camp that they called Ranch, Hanshu uh, uh, in Portuguese. Um and it was, it was a great time, uh, tons of goofy stuff, but they would have one night every year where they would have this, like, spooky horror night where you a bunch of people would go on a trail and a bunch of volunteers would be around the trail to, like, spook them and all that. Um, and I, they made a game out of it where it was, like, teams on the trail to, like, spook people and whatever team made the most spooks got the whatever. Um, I don't remember most of it because I was too scared to go on these trails, so I'd stay with the kids who were too scared uh, and we'd just eat chocolate and have fun. Mm. Um and there, uh, one of the years, I think it was the second to last year I went, um, my brother decided to finally go on the, one of the trails. Um, so he left, and it was just me hanging out with a bunch of these randos. Uh, I didn't really make an effort to meet people there, so I was kind of really alone. So I just kept watching in the distance for my brother. And so these people I was with, they were eventually like, hey, let's go over to the pond. There's a little pond with a little mini waterfall. Uh, let's go over to the pond and just go for a swim for a little bit. It's Dead, dead middle of the night um, and I was like I don't want to be alone so sure and I went with them and as, a, as we were walking there um, there's a few different sections of this camp where there's like bamboo shoots um, and I was looking through one of the bamboo shoots and I just saw a like uh, like white dressed figure that was slightly like glowing mm. and I was but it was really obscured in the bamboo shoots and I was just kind of staring at it for a while and I was like I, I went, grabbed somebody. I was like, hey, you see that? They're looking. It's like, oh, it's probably just one of the volunteers. I'm like, okay. And then I just left, and that was it. Mm. Um, nothing ever happened that night. But, like, I mean, it probably was just a volunteer. But it the the glowing was, like, that ghostly, unnatural sure. blue glow. And at this time in this portion of Brazil – there's no LED that that would have to be an LED light and there's no LED lights. Uh-huh. So like I I don't know, part of me is always like hoping that that was something, but like probably not. Hmm. 
we have a denier here. You see, <laughs> you see, you. My professional opinion: I've done at least forty episodes about ghosts. You were haunted, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've only completed. 100% completed Ghostbusters, so I think... He's more qualified. Yeah, I think I think I can say that, yes. <laughs> I saw a ghost. Yes. But so, somebody else did see it, too. Yeah, okay, even more so. Mm-hmm. That's even more proof. Like, it's usually only one person sees this, but if there's more than one person seeing the same thing... That's how you know it's real. But there is the volunteer cop-out, is the <laughs> thing, right? Like, how do you explain the glowing? Why would you wear a glowing white dress when you're volunteering on a trail? To freak people out. That's a valid reason. <laughs> That's the whole point of being out on the trail. That's a pretty valid but reason. But this, this, I, sh- I should add, this this part of like the bamboo shoots wasn't part mm. of the trail. Mm. So it was off the path. It was off the path. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I think you saw the ghost of a scorned woman who was married and then was upset that she didn't have LED lights. Do you think the ranch has something to do with it? Probably. Why not? I'd get married on a ranch. Wouldn't you? No. I'd get married on ranch dressing. (laughs) (laughs) I'd get married on ranch dressing. Yeah, definitely. Alright, that's my game. There's only one more bit I want to, like, say. Yeah. This hotel, the Stanley Hotel in the Rockies, uh, built and run by Freeland Oscar Stanley on July 4th, 1909. Um, he's this guy that's Stanley Steamer. <laughs> oh, yep. <laughs> His whole deal was steam engines. That's how he got rich. And Stanley Steamer is connected to The Shining. If um, you any, can see his ghost there too, if you want to see it. If any of our listeners watched or listened to Joe's episode on Three Song Stories, he explicitly said that he hates the Stanley Steamer's commercial. For unknown reason, and that's fine. You don't have to say it. <laughs> um, but like, that is something that takes him to a bad place, and he hates it. So, we'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, The Shining. The Shining. Um, has anybody seen Doctor Sleep, the sequel? I have not. No. I'm okay. not a fan of the idea of it. Of a sequel? Yes. <laughs> okay, that's that's fair. So what is Doctor Sleep? Doctor Sleep is a direct sequel to The Shining, where it's Danny grown up, uh, played by Ewan McGregor, Obi Wan. Oh. And uh, he uses his shine to help. Uh, he works in hospice. He helps his shine. He uses his shine to help people, old people, move on to the afterlife or whatever. And then there's this kid that has super shine. That's that's that has that's that's a shine sprite. She's basically a shine sprite, uh, and there's these vampire uh, people. This is too much. Yeah. Like this is too much. Like there, already. there are there are people that have there's this cult that has the shine, but they can suck it out of other people. They soul suck the shine from other people to keep living to be immortal. And they're after this girl who's the shine sprite, which is like the ultimate power. And 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 then Danny is like. I must save you. Yeah, mm. I don't. I like that's too much because the shine is such an effective thing because it's used so sparingly. Yeah, it's used as a mechanism, being like, "Hey, start paying attention. Things are about to get weird." Yes. Um, and for like any time Tony comes into play, we know, or whenever uh, uh, either the head chef or uh, 
what's the kid's name again? Danny. Danny. Whenever they start just like ominously looking off, slightly off camera, you yep. know something's going to happen. Yep. But if the shine's used all the time and it's used as like a mechanism of the story, then it ruin. Then it makes it like the sci-fi thing and it ruins its like specialness. You want to know something? You want to know something about Tony? Tony, this is real. This is real from Stephen King. Tony is Danny from the future using the shine to tell Danny in the past, you know, as a kid, hey, watch out. Warning. You know, for the whole event of The Shining. But then why does he call his parents Mr. Mrs. I don't know. uh, Last (laughs) name. I don't know. <laughs> sure. When you, when you become an adult, do you just start calling <laughs> your parents by their last name? <laughs> I don't. I don't know, man. But that's supposedly a thing. But I don't think they ever touched upon that in Doctor Sleep. Is this is him growing up. So it seems like something they just kind of like thought of after they made the movie. It's it's a really like slow. I haven't seen it, but I've seen videos of it. Apparently, it's like a really slow movie. It doesn't really make sense, especially how they use the shine and it's it. The shine turns into like this, like. It, it 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 increases to the level of like the force, you know, like like oh explaining like, weird stuff be- with this, you know, oh, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and at, at the end of the movie, it's a total Easter egg cop out of they go to the the Outlook Hotel to to for the final showdown and and, and there's a fight. There's a kind of yeah fight air quotes fight with I don't. Know. Uh, and there's references. We see all the same things in the the blood elevator and the twins and the ballroom homage, but trying trying to play a homage, but does a terrible job at it. And eventually, the the whole hotel burns down as as it should have in, uh, in Stephen King's version uh, in the book, like it does. But uh, I think <laughs> I think. Doctor Sleep has done a terrible job trying to like reference and 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 pay homage to the original film The Shining. That Ready Player One did a way better job at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for real. You know, uh, <laughs> is Kubrick? Did Kubrick make Doctor Sleep? Uh, let me. I'll tell you in a second. No, it was directed by Mike Flanagan. I feel like I've heard that name. But there is a book called Doctor Sleep by Stephen King, of course. Yeah. Which is you know, roughly the same thing. There's also the fact that Stephen, that uh, Kubrick died in 1999. But that hasn't stopped anyone from making a movie, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> you said Michael Flanagan? Mike Flanagan, yes. Uh, Why does this name sound so familiar? Michael mm-hmm. Jackson makes music, and he's still dead. Yeah. Prince. Yeah. Heck. Oh, yeah. Uh, this dude makes just like a ton of horror movies, but oh. it's all like formula. Oh, okay. At the end, that's what really separates The Shining from mm. other horror movies. I guess you could say it set the bar, and there's always this kind of Shining-esque formula to it. Set up, things are starting to go wrong, things go wrong. And then resolution. Jack is frozen in ice. Um, just hanging out. No, I, I think The Shining follows the standard, like, Edgar Allan Poe horror story formula uh, pretty well. Not exactly. Uh, it has its own interpretations of it, but I still think it, it hits roughly the same beats. You know what I mean? Movies and books slash poems. Yeah. 
have a hard time translating over. But yeah. I guess you're right, yeah. This movie doesn't do anything different than other horror movies. Um, it just does it better. It just, yeah, okay. It, it does the things that make horror movies good really well. I like that there's no, uh, like, like omnipotent person that explains everything. Exposition, you know? That that isn't in every horror movie. Though. I know, I know it isn't, but like, there is at least one person that's like, "This is a demon." Uh, okay, but with The Shine, there's no necessary, there's no explanation. It's well, just like people have this. Well, thing. It's, it's environmental. Yeah, it, it's they tell the story through, er, they tell what's happening through Jack and Danny's moments. Yeah. Because that's what's telling you there's something wrong with this hotel. It has something to do with way back when. It has something to do with Jack. Um, and, and, like, in the moments, that's what you learn it just through being in it. It mm-hmm. isn't a character that just goes, hey, yeah, uh, Jack, you run this place, <laughs> right? What's Where have you been? It's yeah. like that would, that would just ruin everything. Yeah. The closest thing to that is Dick Holleran, who plays – who's played by the scat man, mm-hmm. but basically just goes, hey, Danny, you have the shine? That's pretty cool. Listen to it. Okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Use the shine, Danny. He you keeps know. it ambiguous, which is great. Yeah. It's enough to be like, I should pay attention to this, mm-hmm. but there's not enough there to go, oh, this is how the rest of the movie's going to go out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, do we want to talk about the most famous scene in the movie? Like, before we close? Here's Johnny. Yeah. Here's Johnny. So, yeah, go ahead, Joe. Well, that scene is epic, and I don't feel like I need to ex- explain why, because he's got her cornered, and yeah. there's nowhere to run, and that's framed so perfectly. I do love the shots for it, yeah. where it like like the, the him cutting it down, how we see it from the when we see her, it's from her perspective of just an mm-hmm. axe and splintered wood. And then when we see him, it's these very violent, heavy swings into this like splintering, uh, scattered everywhere yeah. wood. And it's, it's a big contrast between the both of them. Uh, it's it's really cool. I, I love it. Yeah. Um, that line is actually ad-libbed. I heard that, yeah. Yeah, something to do with the Johnny Carson show or whatever. I don't even know. Because he, cause he, like, he references a few things when he's going on his little crazy rant. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, he does the 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 little pigs when he, fir- oh, when he breaks yeah. down the first door. Yeah. Or no, the, when the he same spe- door. The same door. Right before he's talking about the little pigs. Yeah. And then uh, before that, I think, like, the first door, I think he says something that's a reference, but, like, I'm too young. Mm. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of WTF moments, too. He's a writer, and that bit of someone who's a writer always paying attention to what's going on, but then growing slowly insane is awesome. A modern interpretation of that would just be like, I don't know, if a podcaster goes crazy. I mean, that's that's turned into a cliche. It has turned into a cliche. There are still movies that are like, this guy's an author. (laughs) <laughs> and then bad, weird stuff happens to him. Well, to be fair, writers go insane, like, all the time. <laughs> so, uh, like, your Edgar Allan Poe's mm. or your uh, Ernest Cline's. Who did Ghibli? Or not who's, Ernest Cline. the person in charge of Ghibli? Uh, it's M- uh, Masahiro. No. No. <laughs> no. Uh, what's his name? I was more referring to, like, the fact that you would be hunted down by somebody who's constantly making pop culture references. <las> right. Uh, <laughs> Hayao Miyazaki. Sorry, I said Ernest Klein, but I meant uh, Ernest Hemingway. Uh huh. (laughs) Ernest Uh Klein is a that's the guy who wrote Ready Player One. (laughs) (laughs) Great, great book, great, great book, great movie. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, oh, I was gonna say. Yeah. The, sorry. Uh, the the going with how he's a writer. The I got chills mm. when she looks at the paper mm. and she sees the whole All like work, uh, no play makes Jack a dull boy. Mm. And at first, I didn't get chills when I first saw it on the typewriter. I was like, yeah, whatever, big deal. And then she goes over to the other pages, and it's on the other pages. She yeah. flips it on the other page, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And we've seen, like, throughout the film, like, he's been typing this whole time, you know, writing for what, whatever, like, how many months this has taken place. And, and he, that's all he's been doing. And he, like, also is, like, he's very vague about what he's writing. Yeah. He doesn't talk, like, he doesn't say what he's writing at yeah. any point. Which is which means like he's been writing this weird sh- shit like this whole time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's so like I, I saw that and I was like, "Whoo!" Have you noticed that each of them are unique? Yeah. There's like different spacing, different oh, yeah. lettering. Sometimes they're like written out as like a, a dialogue. Sometimes they're written out as like poem stanzas yeah. or like uh like book references, like the way you would like in research. Mm-hmm. I got chills the first time I watched it, but every time I rewatch it now, I just think about how did they film that? I like to think that Stanley Kubrick was like, all right, everybody from set, make three pages. (laughs) 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 You you have homework. Uh, You have homework. All work, no play, makes Jack a dull boy. (laughs) (laughs) You want me to spoil your fun or just keep it like your wondrous (laughs) mystery of everyone? I actually answer. You know the answer? I mean, it's heavily likely it's just props department. Oh, okay. Uh, That's damn hard work by the props department. Well, it, it's it's <laughs> you print one and then copy. Were printers few. around in the 80s? Oh, you, you typewrite and then copy. Copying is the thing. Mm. So <laughs> you, 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 write, you write a few different formats and make a bunch of copies. Mm. No. Like newspapers. I refuse. Sorry, sorry to ruin your fun. <laughs> I refuse to believe that. I like to think that Stanley Kubrick, because he does mm. seem the type based off of 2001, to be like, no. That, You're all going insane. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if there was a director who was just like, hey, uh, we don't have enough of this prop. Everybody grab a typewriter, <laughs> type your own. <laughs> That would be Stanley. During your half an hour break, please type one page of uh, <laughs> Jack is dull. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's a lot to say with this movie that we can go for a while. Like, there's so many, like, conspiracy theories or whatever with, like, the meanings of the film. Like, like it's a Holocaust thing. It's a World it's War II a, thing. It's a I, – I, the most unique one I've heard. It's a story about growth and sexuality. Sure. Which, Okay. I like it because it's, you know, it's just a simple story. Yeah. Interpret it as you want. Yeah. Who cares? I think that's that's the, the, the key to the success of this movie. Like, what are you going to get from seeing a guy in a bear costume giving a blowjob to some guy in a suit? <laughs> yeah, what, what do you take that? from that? What was with that? Don't know. Shock factor, but there, bro. But there are theories. There are theories that... The, the guy in the bear costume represents Danny and the guy in the suit represents Jack and uh, sexual abuse, incest stuff. Yeah. Uh, hmm. I just interpret it as, what's the weirdest thing we can think of? <laughs> Write it down. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess you can try to draw a meeting from the weird, like, rooms, but, like, it could just also, like, it literally could just also be that these just people whatever. were weird. Yeah. Or, or they're ghosts and they get demented or yeah. whatever the case. I mean, the old lady, like, is young and then kisses Jack <laughs> and then laughs about it and turns old. And then it's like, she's just twisted. Like, yeah. sure, there's probably some deeper meaning that the director meant or whatever. But to us, it's just because she's twisted. It's a ghost. It's a ghost. There you go. Paranormal stuff. 
Is that all? I think that's all. Absolutely watch The Shining. If yeah. you haven't watched The Shining by this point, how dare you? If if the same thing that happened to me when I'm trying to watch it happens to you, good luck. Um, <laughs> go to church. Um, and Take a bath in some holy water. Yeah, yeah. Like, go go clean yourself. <laughs> rethink about your decisions that you made that day. Madam Raz's homework. List off as many Shining references in pop culture as you can. Go. <laughs> oh, I love that. Great. We haven't had one in a while. Awesome. That's, all right. That's all the time we have for today, guys. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Razzle Dazzle. Make sure to let us know what you think of today's episode somewhere on the internet. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Razzle Dazzle Show and on TikTok at Razzle underscore Dazzle underscore Show. Be sure to tune in every Thursday from 12 to 1 p.m. on the Eagle Radio Station on the Live 365 app. And we'll catch you on the next time. Red, rum, red. My rum, favorite pop red, culture rum, reference is like red, the Simpsons rum, parody rum, of. Red, rum, oh, God. Red, rum, well, in the Simpsons red, parody, Homer red, Simpson rum, goes mad red, and rum, then he does red, the scene rum, with the axe red, cutting down the door, red, but it's the wrong red, room. Rum, and he just red, goes into rum, an op- empty rum, room and, like, dope! Oh! And then he does that rum, one other time, rum, and then he finally rum, finds March. To be honest, I wasn't paying attention at all. I bet a bunch of other people weren't either. Red, rum! And that kid grew up to be the head singer of Kiss. <laughs> Wait, actually? No. Oh. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? Oh, I would not.